Welcome to the Colander Medical Radio Show with Dr. Brian Colander, MD. Dr. Colander is a board-certified internal medicine physician who specializes in the assessment and treatment of artery disease. His medical practice is dedicated to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. This show is brought to you by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are going to be talking to Dr. Colander about his unique personalized concierge practice and his plan for revolutionizing healthcare. His vision focuses on preventing the events that lead to all the catastrophic diseases of our time. Dr. Colander will explain to us about how and why we develop chronic systemic disease and the course we ought to take to prevent it. To find out more about how to avoid diabetes, Alzheimer's, heart attack and stroke, stay tuned and we'll be right back after this short break. Welcome to another edition of the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. Dr. Colander, welcome to your always informative talks. You're reaching out to the listeners, but with all the shows that you've done, one thing keeps coming up over and over again, and that is insulin resistance. Let's explain to the listeners what that is and how they get it. Well, thanks, Anne-Marie. Um, insulin resistance is the process of becoming diabetic. And what people do not understand is that a lot of us have that process. And just because it's the process of becoming diabetic, you may never actually become diabetic and have insulin resistance. So how do you get it, catch it, develop it? What are we not doing? Who gets it? Who doesn't get it? How do you become insulin resistant? It's not something you catch. It's something you're predisposed to have. And then even if your predisposition is a minor influence on your, your body a constituency, then it's really your environment. And if you have an unhealthy environment, which is, the air you breathe, the food that you eat, the amount that you exercise, then you may develop insulin resistance, whereas that may not have been necessarily your fate. So if you live in a good area and you exercise and you eat well and you eat healthy food, are you immune to insulin resistance? No. And actually the reason I want to talk about this today is because you know, we're doing a little bit of corporate work with a, a, a version of my practice. And these are executives that live in a nice area that make a lot of money. And I was shocked at how many of them had insulin resistance. How did you find out they have it? How is that discovered? By blood work. It's by blood work and history. So the history is simple. Do you have a family history of diabetes? Anyone ever been told they're pre-diabetic in your family? And then have you, again, these are new people to me, and um, 
have you ever been told in the past that your blood sugar or your cholesterol was abnormal? Okay, but let's say one of these patients comes to you and their family, their parents are not diabetic. Um, is it just the luck of the draw that they may show up with insulin resistance? You've got to look. So that's, okay. that's what the whole show is about. That's what the practice is about. And that's what we're educating everybody about is we need to screen for conditions that are preventable. And if you are not screening for them, then you're not going to find them. And even if you find them, you need to have a plan to do something about it so that the consequences of having plaque or insulin resistance don't uh, go through their natural history. The earlier you find it, you can apply a preventive approach and then follow it over time. So you're right when you say, well, maybe people don't have these family histories or a prior story of you know having high blood sugar or anything you still have to look for um the you know the beginnings of insulin resistance so that you can start early so the average patient listener out there who we hope has a primary care physician then they we're hoping that they go annually for a, a checkup if you go in to see your doctor and the doctor examines you and maybe you get a chest x-ray maybe you get an ekg the blood work they take, assuming they're taking blood work, is that going to reveal in the average, you know, annual physical whether or not you have insulin resistance? It could, but it requires the doctor to have their, you know, as you say, your front burner's burning. You know, it's, you've got to look for it. Okay, but why would all doctors not be looking for it? You're drawing blood out of somebody's vein to examine what problems may or may not exist. And if insulin resistance is a big problem, a major problem, the precursor to diabetes, which is prevalent in this country, why would all doctors not be looking in the blood test for insulin resistance? They're just not doing their job. I'm done defending them. Okay. They're just not doing their job. Okay, what's the patient to do? So you go, I mean, I feel really truly sorry for patients because they go to the doctor, they believe in the doctor, they like the doctor. They think the doctor is doing everything right. Oh, I got a blood test. I got a chest X-ray. I got an EKG. I'm coming out of my doctor's office. And then the results come back. And then somebody from the office calls you and says, it's looking good. You're okay. You're okay. But if they didn't look at whether or not you have the markers for insulin resistance, you are not okay. Correct. So today's going to be a, like, what do I need to look for as a layperson from my labs that may indicate I have insulin resistance and my doctor didn't pay any attention to. So that's what we're gonna talk about today is what lab, you know, how do I interpret my labs on my own because my doctor didn't do it? And then what do I do about it? And I think we just have to look past the fact that doctors are basically a waste of space right now and not treating COVID, not treating insulin resistance. Telemedicine. Not practicing, not practicing prevention. So it's up to you to, you know, look at your labs and be your own doctor and become your own advocate. So we'll show you the way today. Wow, that's amazing that we have to take that job over. Let's come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with the concierge practice, please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. 
You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander is with us today explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He's also going to explain the tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. And before we come back to Dr. Colander, I'd like to encourage all of the listeners to please tune in Thursdays at 7 p.m. after the Mitch Album Show. Dr. Colander is on live, taking your calls. If you have a question that you want to ask the doctor, please tune in Thursday, 7 p.m. Dr. Colander is live for a solid hour waiting for your calls. Dr. Colander, let's come back to the average visit to the doctor, the average blood test. It's not, people are not being told they have insulin resistance. Why is it missed? Because it's not a billable diagnosis code. I mean, that's all there is to it. What? Wait a minute. Back, re- rewind that. What do you well, mean it's not a billable? Who cares if it's billable? Doctors only do what they get paid for. If they're not getting paid, it doesn't get done. And so that's why if you want to practice prevention as a patient, you have to join a practice that's a little outside the system Whoa. that doesn't worry about Medicare and Blue Cross reimbursement. So they do not, there's no billing diagnosis for insulin resistance or prediabetes. Well, prediabetes may be, but that's also late. So insulin resistance can happen to somebody, a process that can be brewing for 10, 15, 20 years before the blood tests that all of you are familiar with go up, like a fasting blood sugar or an elevated hemoglobin A1C. Even then your doctor's going to go, Don't worry about it. Your sugar looks a little high. You're not yet diabetic. Diabetes is the worst diagnosis to make because it means nothing. It's like diagnosing death 10 minutes after somebody died. So on these blood tests that are the normal average, uh, every year the blood tests that you get from your doctor, that's identifying your blood sugar, and that's a number, and they're looking at that number, and that's what the test is. Your sugar level is at this, and it's this, and it's good, or it's bad, or it's dangerous, or whatever. But what has that got to do with insulin resistance and identifying insulin resistance? Well, like we said, insulin resistance is the process of becoming diabetic. And during this process, your body is not making quality lipids. And the and the fact of being insulin resistant means that you're generating inflammation, which is your body's response to injury from making bad lipid particles and having a, again, I'm going to keep using the same word, inflammatory or toxic internal environment. The people that are predisposed just do not metabolize the food that they're eating properly, and it generates injury to the artery walls. So we want to identify this as early as we can and not wait until our pancreas begins to fail. When your pancreas begins to fail, 
that's when we start to see your hemoglobin A1C go up. That could be 20 years of having damage done to your organs that you can't get back. And so my job is to identify that as early as possible. So I do slightly different blood work that identifies insulin resistance at the earliest possible point. And then I apply a program, you know, whether it's lifestyle changes or medication, depending on the individual person. But basically what you're saying here is living in America with the type of American diet that we have here um, and the average patient that's going in to see their doctor and they feel very reassured if they get a chest x-ray and if they get a few tests and they get a blood draw and then you get a call saying, you're okay, your numbers are great. They're not being tested for insulin resistance. They're not specifically looking for insulin resistance, but I think it's time to tell the listeners what they could look for in their blood work or in their family history to clue them in that they may be at risk for insulin resistance and take some action on their own, even if they're getting no direction or disease identification from their doctor. So, but you can find it, though. I mean, when you look at the, the results of the blood test that you're getting back, you're able to see whether someone is insulin resistant absolutely. from the blood test. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Why is every other doctor that's drawing blood not able to see the same things that you're seeing? Because they don't check the box because it's not covered by insurance? Partially. There's no drug for it. doesn't matter there's no drug I, for I, it. You know, we're not on the same page. You're asking me why. I'm trying to justify. I'm trying to put my mind in there and what, what a traditional doctor does anymore. I'm so far away from it. I don't know what they're thinking about. Like, to me, what I do seems so simple and obvious. I can't understand why the whole world doesn't operate this way, yet it doesn't. So, um, you know, you know, why does the sun come up in the east? I don't know. It does. But it doesn't change that our whole healthcare system is totally broken. And this is a, everything we talk about is an example, but this is another example of not identifying a disease until an organ's dying. In this case, the organs are pancreas, and the system, the FDA, the doctors don't allow treatment to be applied until the organ is dying. That's how our, our whole healthcare is. You don't get a treatment until your knee's dead. You get a knee replacement. Your shoulder's dead. You get a shoulder replacement. You know, your kidney's dying, you get dialysis. There's no plan to keep these organs and whatever's causing them to be injured healthy longer. Well, let me understand this. So when you're finally diagnosed with diabetes, my understanding is that you're in for life. This is a lifetime constantly being dependent on some form of medication. That's not the important point to me. You're right. But it's, it's that you've missed 20 years of opportunity to learn about how your body works to make adjustments, and also to find out what else did the condition of insulin resistance do to you. And what could it have done? It could cause cancer. It can cause dementia and Alzheimer's dementia. It can cause Parkinson's and, of course, heart attack and stroke. So what you're saying is insulin resistance and the diagnosis of insulin resistance from the blood test that you get at whatever doctor you go to see is really should be at the top of the page as far as as far as investigation and absolutely diagnosis. because we're in a diabetic epidemic 
you know, everybody talks about, you know, the, the increases in obesity, blah, blah, blah. It's really about we're having people become diabetic younger and younger, and nobody's recognizing the stages that occur years and years and years before that diagnosis is made. So since you're not getting any of that help from your doctor, we ought to start giving them some information, Anne-Marie. Um, what you need to know is there's a lot of signs. The number one, a lot of the signs, I don't say which one's more important. One of them is you have an elevated triglyceride level. If your triglyceride that level. That still is coming from a blood test, though, that this level. Is a, right. That's a blood test that you're all getting. You're Everyone's all get, getting. Every, they can check the box. You, they can get paid for it. Right. It's on the list. Okay, good. If your triglyceride level is high, you need to be thinking that you're on the path to diabetes, even if your sugar's normal, even if your A1C, hemoglobin A1C is normal, which is a blood test to monitor diabetes. You know, anytime I ask one of my patients or tell them, hey, you're on the path to diabetes, their family calls me and goes, what's their A1C? I tell them, I don't check it. I don't care. That's a late outcome. Why do I want to check a blood test that's going to tell me the problem that I already know about today? It's going to tell me about it 15, 20 years from now. So what I'm hearing is that every patient has to know what, what to ask for when they're going, when they're getting their blood draw. They're, they're supposed to ask their doctor, are, are you going to be checking for insulin resistance? We're going to tell the patients, what to, the people, what to look for. All right, let's talk about that on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Calendar Medical Radio Show, and if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a concierge practice that specializes in prevention, please only call Dr. Callender directly at 866-CALENDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Colander's here with us talking about his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also explain to us the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we encourage you to only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. And please tune in Thursday at 7 p.m. Dr. Colander's live, taking your calls directly. Dr. Colander, let's come back and talk about what's the patient to do? What is it that you're looking for in the blood draw that they get in their, their, their examination? So there is some uh, utility in the blood tests that I otherwise consider useless that you all get from your doctor. So we said last segment, an elevated triglycerides is an uh, indication that you might be insulin resistant. Let's not say might be ins ins uh, insulin resistant. You are. Another indication is that your, L your HDL, your supposed good cholesterol is low. That's more important than the triglyceride. But if your HDL is low, you're prone or on the path of insulin resistance. And, you know, the reason is that when you are insulin resistant, you're making bad lipids, you're not making good lipids. So triglycerides is a part of the lipid panel. Um, it's part of the, your way of metabolizing 
and making good quality lipids, but on the way, because your system doesn't work, you end up with triglycerides and other bad lipids like VLDLs and IDLs. So if you have a high VLDL in your panel, that means you're probably insulin resistant. So what are patients to do then? Well, we're I mean, telling them. I know, but I mean, they're probably going to a doctor that's not even ordering these tests. So, I mean, they don't, they're not aware. They didn't no, go no, to medical this is, school. This is a, where you have to because your doctor's crap right now. So this, we're telling you what to do. You need to look at the labs on your own and say, hey, my, my triglycerides are too high. My HDL's low. If your triglyceride and your HDL, if your triglyceride's high and your HDL's low, you better just say, hey, I'm, I'm on my path to become diabetic. Um, you'll notice I'm not saying anything about LDL, which is the supposed bad cholesterol that you're all being put on statins for. That test has no bearing in identifying insulin resistance or diabetes and, frankly, has no bearing on risk. So knowing your LDL is a waste of time. So if you have high triglyceride, low HDL, other VLDL, IDL, or an elevated non-HDL cholesterol, which are all labs that might be in your usually useless panel, then consider yourself insulin resistant on the path to becoming diabetic and start changing your life accordingly. Maybe we'll have time to talk about that at the last segment. Okay, let me ask you a question. Around about what age should patients first start looking into this and being concerned that they get that the blood test gets looked at to see if they're insulin resistant? Well, what what age do people learn to read? Oh, is it that young? In this country. Wow. Well, because more and more kids are becoming diabetic. Yeah, you're right. Mm -hmm. You know, you got you got a childhood obesity problem. If you can read, you better figure out how to learn read your own lipid panel. Because you again, I'm not a pediatrician, don't practice in that area. You know, I don't know what they're doing, but if you're in internal medicine, you're not getting any of this information as an adult. So better start young and identify your risk. Parents can read their kids' lipid panel and go, hey, you're on the path to becoming diabetic. Another common thing to recognize is if anybody in your family is diabetic, especially a first-degree relative, your siblings, your parents, consider yourself insulin resistant. I don't care if you're a marathoner, vegan, working out, lean, ripped. If it's in your family, consider yourself at risk and live your life accordingly. So it's really interesting to think about the fact that there are, you know, for all the pediatricians that are out there seeing the younger population and the under 18-year-olds, and, and of course there are a lot of kids that are diagnosed with their pre-diabetic and their diabetic how do they get to be in this bad shape so early, so young? Well, that's a whole other show that we've talked on the show a couple of times, which is about epigenetics. Mm -hmm. And I think that every generation removed or down the line within this toxic, industrialized world that we live in, um, we're going to see chronic illness develop earlier and earlier um, among you know young adults and kids. So this is a this will just every generation it's going to get worse. Until, of course, someone decides that we need a new healthcare system and, and actually get people the care that they need. Well, you know, from the point of view of the parents and the patients that are out there listening to the show, 
I mean, that you, what you're basically saying is that it's turning on them to be their own advocate and to require their to ask what's going to be on the blood draw that you're taking before you give them the before they get the blood draw. We don't have to ask because this is the standard blood test. This is like the standard basic labs that we normally say don't mean anything, but there is some hidden messages in there, and that's what we're telling people today. These are the hidden messages that um, your doctor might look at and call normal. But the findings strongly look toward insulin resistance. So that that's what we're talking about. So what you're saying is all the people out there that have gone to their doctor, they've gotten a blood draw. From that blood draw, any doctor can look at it and see whether or not that person is diagnosable or on their way to being insulin resistant. They're not doing it. They're finding I know, but, it but, too late. But, but, the, finding, too but the, late. the findings are there. They could look at it. It's, it's there on the, on the results, right? It's called screening. You've got to find things early. Mm-hmm. And it's so common that you need to, like, make the supposition. So in my practice, you're guilty till proven innocent. I don't mm-hmm. look at an abnormal blood test and explain it away so that I don't have to do anything else about it. Oh, you were sick this day. Oh, you stubbed your toe this day. This must be a lab error. No. If it shows it, then we're going to label you. I don't want to say label you, but we're going to let you know that this is what's going on in the blood so that you can make the appropriate doctor recommendations You know, from me. But now, since most of you aren't going to hear any of this news, we're telling you what to look for. So before the segment ends, a couple other things. One is fatty liver. A lot of Americans have fatty liver. Why is that? Well, because that's a sign of insulin resistance. Mm. You know, so your liver metabolizes the food that you're eating. And if your liver isn't able to, you're making extra bad quality lipids, which is basically fat. And people end up with fatty change to the liver. So... You know, I read articles about, oh, there's going to be an epidemic of fatty liver down the road. And there might be some little comment about insulin resistance and diabetes. This is not its own disease. I mean, everyone's going to be going to a liver specialist to identify their fatty liver. This is a basic medical problem related to unidentified insulin resistance. Guess what? If you treat your insulin resistance in all the ways it needs to be treated, shocker, your fatty liver is going to go away. And you don't need to have a liver specialist and a gastroenterologist to evaluate a problem that can be handled by your primary care physician, but they don't recognize that that fatty liver means that you have insulin resistance or the time to tell you how to take care of it. I think we need to know that once we've come up with the diagnosis that a patient has insulin resistance, what is the next step for the patient to expect from their doctor? I think we're then, we have to talk about that the next segment, but they're not going to hear about it from their doctor either because their doctor's not being paid to help them prevent disease. So you've got to figure this out on your own. That's sad, but I'm sure the doctor sees it on the results that come back. But let's come back and talk about that on the other side of the break. You are listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show. And if you're interested in finding out more about today's topic or why you ought to be engaging with a personalized concierge practice, 
please only call Dr. Colander directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that number is 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. You're listening to the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR. Welcome back to the Colander Medical Radio Show. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and we are here talking with Dr. Brian Colander, MD, board certified in internal medicine and specialist in artery disease. Dr. Collender is here with us explaining his personalized concierge practice and the model of the relationship you ought to have with your primary care physician. He'll also tell us about the simple tests that are available and necessary, which aid to the prevention of heart attack and stroke. For more information, we're encouraging you to only call Dr. Collender directly at 866-COLLENDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. And also to tune in Thursdays at 7 o'clock. He is live on the air from 7 until 8. And you are welcome to call in and talk to the doctor directly. Dr. Collender, we're in the last segment here. So what are patients supposed to do? If they're if you diagnose them with insulin resistance, what's the next step? Well, you know, the patient had to get their own lab work, read the results, and identify based on, you know, what they've been told that they have insulin resistance on their own. They have to make their own connect their own connection because they're not going to hear about it from their doctor. Okay, but they also didn't go to medical school. Right, they're well, not... they're, but too bad. You, that's why we're on the show, to let you know what you're not going to hear otherwise, and you are not going to hear that you have insulin resistance from your doctor. In 10 or 15 years, you'll hear, oh, you're pre-diabetic. Don't worry about it because you're not diabetic yet. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Oh, does this sound familiar, listeners? You have plaque. Don't worry about it. It's normal. No, it's usually the answer is we'll keep an eye on it. Right, which is let's wait until you need a stent or a bypass, and I hope you don't die before then because I've lost a study. I've lost a chance to operate on you. That's, you know, that's what the cardiologist is thinking. You know, let's do these. Let's just put you on hold, on the holding pattern, circle the airport, and hopefully you don't run out of gas before I get to operate. Mm-hmm. That's welcome to the American healthcare system. You have insulin resistance. I'm not going to tell you what to do. You just sit tight until you need five or six drugs with, uh, you know, $200 a month copays. When you could have been shepherded into an appropriate lifestyle plan that would delay the onset of diabetes. Can you treat it or cure it? I hate to say it, not really. But if you delay it long enough that it doesn't really poke out its ugly head or cause your body any other problems till you're 90, I'd call that effectively a cure. Let's come back a little bit and talk about your journey through um, medicine. You were an internal medicine physician in the normal, what we accept as the normal program for 20-something years. And then you decided to go into this specialized concierge private practice where you could spend more time with patients. What made you decide after 20 years in the normal internal medicine practice to change over to what you're doing right now? And more importantly, to specialize in prevention, early diagnosis and prevention. Back when Blue Cross was beginning the patient-centered medical home, I recognized that was going to be a system of control that was going to keep me from practicing medicine the way I wanted. 
And I want to say that I was obviously one of very few doctors around here, especially, that saw it that way. A lot of practices converted into that, and I'm not really sure why. Because they are blinded, wearing their blinders, doing what everybody says you're supposed to do. And what was the benefit to the practice? Patient-centered home care. Blue what Cross was said to do it, so you did it. Oh, no, there had to have been more than just that. Well, they're going to pay them a little more. Ah, okay, so, now we're talking. So your, ins your insurance, you know, your doctor sold out to the insurance company so they'd have control over you. That's what's happened. And now your doctor isn't fit to diagnose early disease and put you on a preventative plan because they chose to sell out to the insurance company and or sell their practice to a hospital or company who has to follow rules set by the insurance company. Sounds a lot like COVID, except you just substitute pharma company instead of insurance company. But that whole program of patient-centered home care that Blue Cross introduced, I don't know how many years ago, and I remember I did a cover story on that. I'm just curious about, I wondered at the time, what is in it for those internal medicine practices other than what a few dollars more to keep the patient inside the practice they made it sound like they were going to funnel the doctors the patients through the practice in order to get referrals instead of patients going about and seeing a specialist without a referral what was the danger to that of patients running around well then no what was the danger to the patient because obviously they wound up paying the price is it the danger of the patient-centered medical home or the pa the danger of running around getting self-referrals? Uh, self well, I mean... They're all bad. It's all a bad choice. Patients should be referring themselves to specialists because then specialists refer to other specialists, and it was right. the wrong referral because no one's thinking about, like, what's the real thing that this patient needs. No one's doing their job. They're just doing their evaluation, whether the person needed it or not, and then punting them to another specialist who did their evaluation whether it needed to be done or not. No common sense was happening. So now they funnel it back to the, to the PCP through the patient-centered medical home. Now the PCPs overrun, seeing 30 to 40 people a day, and they're just referring like crazy anyway because they don't have time to actually be a doctor, and they're filling out Box, checking boxes, not even caring what you're in the office for. This is a system of control. That's what it is. They, so you recognized that how many years ago? The day I got the letter. You, you got know, the letter and you said, what, I'm going, I I'm said, done. That's it. I go, I saw that letter. I go, I'm out. And I began the process of learning how am I going to get out of the system. And... The journey for, to prevention has been a long one. It wasn't like right away, this is how I'm going to be. It's once you leave the system, if you have any intellectual curiosity, well, then you realize, hey, there's things out here that are covered or are helpful that, that the FDA doesn't approve or your insurance doesn't cover. And when you find one, well, what else is there? And then you realize there's a whole world of good medicine out there that the FDA doesn't recognize and your insurance doesn't cover. Well, there certainly are a lot of tests out there, and we've talked about this on other shows, that are not covered by insurance, and I'm still mesmerized by why not. I just don't, I honestly have thought about this, and I don't understand why they're not covering these tests that basically fall under your area of expertise and prevention. 
Why does it not make more sense to prevent a disease than to eventually treat it for both the doctor and the patient? I guarantee you that if insurance companies made money on prevention, you'd all have preventive services. So all I can say is, and I don't know the financials among about this, but if it, if it, it must not make the insurance companies money because it's not being done. Well, the, the more important thing here is that you did go into the practice of prevention and that there still is hope out there for patients. Well, hopefully the listeners learned a little bit about how to recognize insulin resistance. And once they know that they have it, they can take some action. Although, unfortunately, we didn't really get into what they should do. And frankly, we won't on the radio because it's not good radio. Um, but we taught you how to learn to recognize it. And now you've got to go on your own and figure out how to deal with it. So insulin resistance is the topic. And Good luck. Find out whether you've got it, and then we'll move on from there. In the meantime, we are out of time, and that wraps it up for the Colander Medical Radio Show on News Talk 760 WJR, sponsored by Colander Medical. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cronin, and again, I want to thank Dr. Colander for talking to us about taking charge of our health, being proactive, avoiding heart attack and stroke, and more importantly, what you can do to halt or reverse the process of chronic degenerative disease. It's never too late to start. For more information on today's show, to learn more about how you can engage with a personal primary care concierge practice, you can call Colander Medical directly at 866-COLANDER. Again, that's 866-K-O-L-E-N-D-E-R. We hope that you've enjoyed the show and that you've become more aware of your options in preventing and reversing disease. Once again, you can reach out to Colander Medical at 866-COLANDER. And thank you for listening. Opinions heard in the preceding program are those of the host and guests and not those of Cumulus Media or WJR Radio.